hadn't seen before, a couple of new ideas. We're just really excited about what God has for us this morning. So we've talked a little bit. We started with our flaws, everything that's wrong with us. Amen. <laughs> and then we talked about a case of the one another and how it is we're to entreat each other and how we're to respond to each other. And then last week, Dr. Ross broke it open with offense. And I do believe that she built a bridge for where we'll go today. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. And it says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. So they're reaching back to the Ten Commandments. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So you just make that synonymous with murder. Come on. Come on. I didn't write this. I'm just reading this. So every time you're angry with one another, it's synonymous with murder. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Talk about your response when people come and try to repent or ask you for forgiveness. And it says if you can't do it, go to hell. I, I am not making this up. I'm just reading it. That's all I'm doing. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Wow. Something against wow. him. I was like, hey, I need to read this in a couple of versions. Right. <laughs> no, that's what I do. When I read it and I don't get it, I'll be like, let me read a different version. Because I'm getting something weird. But it, it's, it's the same in all the versions. <laughs> Have something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So, appreciate your worship. But if you can't make things right with each other, forget it. Don't even bother to approach and worship. Settle matters quickly. Not a week later. Not after you fasted about it. Not after you told a couple of people. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who has taken you to court. This is two different, uh, two different examples. Do it while you are still together on the way, meaning on the way to court, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge. And the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Until so you'd be better off selling it with each other than having to answer to God about it. Move a little further in Matthew with me. Turn to Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. I like to just support it with scripture because um, sometimes y'all think that people be making stuff up. So when it's tough, I'm always going to give you a whole bunch of scripture. Because otherwise y'all think I'm, I'm preaching about something I have meetings about. Matthew chapter 18 verse 15. It says, moreover, if your brother shall trespass against you, go and tell his fault between you and him, keyword alone. And if he shall hear you, you have gained your brother. Never meant to be separate, never an enemy, but your brother. But if he will not hear you, then take with you one or two more that in the mouth of 
two or three witnesses, every word may be established. You're bringing them for clarity, not for backup like you want to fight. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it on to the church. Not the church people, but the officers of the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be onto you as a heathen man and a tax collector. <clears throat> so that means that you, you still don't get the right to hold on to it, but you count it as a person who simply has a debt against you and that that person is acting in ignorance as a heathen man or outside of revelation. You still don't get to charge it to their heart. Verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be what has been bound in heaven. <laughs> and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be what has been loosed in heaven. I heard this scripture before. Because somebody did. 
your neighbor and say, it's time to have the talk. Time to have the talk. In the same sense as the birds and the bees, there is a level of embarrassment, intimidation, uh, nervousness, uh, a fumbling over the words, if you will, that comes to mind when having hard conversations with people, not being able to talk through minor or even major disagreements between a brother and a sister is a sign of immaturity. So the more mature the person is, the easier it is to have these tough conversations. And when it's time to have that conversation, then we put ourselves in the posture of the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5 and 18 and write it down so you know it's actually there and it says what it says. And you can go back and read the context and everything. 2 Corinthians 5 and 18. It says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message, or some versions say the gift, of reconciliation. The absence of reconciliation literally robs the church of the power of unity. If we cannot have reconciliation as a regular part of our community and interactions with each other, when we do not get the gift of unity, we are called to be a people of reconciliation. This is not a suggestion. This is not one of um, the Ten Commandments. This is not um, something that is even a fruit of the Spirit, but it literally is a ministry. So if you call yourself in ministry, you call yourself a follower of Christ, then reconciliation is not just um, something that you should do. It's something that you are supposed to do. So when you find yourself operating outside of reconciliation, you actually are not living in purpose. I know you got the book. I know you got the t-shirt. I know you got the gig. And I know you got the flyer. But you're not in ministry unless you have the ministry of reconciliation. We look back at Matthew 5, which is the first scripture that we read. Matthew 5 in chapter, um, chapter 5, verse 21 through 24. We look back at that one. It shows us a picture of worship. So I want you to think about Sunday morning coming here. We approach the throne. They get to going and singing and everything like that. As soon as something comes to mind, imagine somebody just coming up, tapping you on the shoulder, you're out. Nope, you got something with somebody, you're out. 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 How many people would be left? We don't like to call it offense, even though it is. So don't get trapped in a box, because reconciliation has to do with any hard conversation that you're supposed to have that you didn't have. So if we do roll call, hard conversation that you have not had, who would be left to worship? Don't give me your dirty hands, is what he said. Don't give me your dirty mouth, and don't give me your dirty mind. And what makes 
sit dirty because there's separation between you and a brother. Wow. Because there's separation between you and a sister. I used to hate when people said stuff like, I prayed and I fasted and I worshiped and it just didn't work. To really get on my nerves. I'm like, no, it works. Like, it worked for me. Like, it works. It consistently works. But I was in error. Because, see, I was shoving something on them that wasn't biblically sound. I was telling them that their worship was going to work. I was telling them that their prayers were going to work. And I was in error. Because I didn't do the proper investigations. So if they were unreconciled, then what I should have done was help them do a heart check. Because what they were experiencing was correct. Worship wasn't working. between brothers. 
And so in Genesis, and um, I'll reference it, you can go back and read it. In Genesis chapter 32, I will read all the way through just verses here and there to chapter 33. Um, you have the story of Jacob and Jacob and Esau. So these two boys, they're born to Isaac. Um, Isaac's getting older, and he's like, I got to release the blessing. Um, and it's not like a God bless you blessing. It's like a you just got paid blessing. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, God bless you. Here's a five. No, no, no. Like, that's not the kind of generational blessing like he was lined up to give. Yeah. You're right. You're right. And so... It's supposed to go to the first son, yes. but in this case, um, which is so twisted, but the mama and the younger son, I'm like, what in the motion picture film, like what in the lifetime is going on? Um, the mama and the youngest son get together and they figure out how to trick the daddy and the older son out of the blessing. I mean, millions and millions and millions of dollars. Some of y'all in those families. You ain't in. Praise God. I mean, every funeral is a fight. And so they do it successfully. Okay? And so, rightfully so, there's a conflict. There's a conflict between brothers. Rightfully so. And I think that's sometimes we get hung up on it. Dr. Rob touched on it last week. I'm going to touch on it too, week, um, too much. But our justification is irrelevant. You can't justify yourself and then him justify you at the same time. You gotta pick. Do you want to be the justification or you want him to be the justification? You have to let go of one. And so rightfully so, we walk through the scripture and um, so it happens, you know, blessing goes to the wrong person, you got to go here on there and it's like, woohoo, high five, mama, we trick daddy and brother. Good. So, they move on, and years pass down the line, and you go to verse, um, chapter 32, verse 1, and it says, Jacob went on his way, and God's angels met him. And this is the one who did the scheming and conniving. Because yeah. a lot of times we think that people are disqualified from God meeting them because of what they did to us. <laughs> but it said God met him. Whatever was said by the angel to Jacob, it motivated him to make amends with his brother. And we're looking at practically how biblically we can walk through having these hard conversations. And so I believe that God is doing the same thing with us. Step one to reconciliation is that reconciliation begins with God. If you do not go to God or spend time in his presence, you will not be able to successfully have a ministry of reconciliation. We've tried to do it in our own strength. But the only way that you can forgive is to put yourself in the position of Christ and figure out how it felt when he forgave you. And if you go and be with God, and you try to look like God in every single thing that he does, then I forgive you becomes part of your regular language. And you become one with forgiveness and forgiving. But we are so separated from God that forgiveness and forgiving is so hard for us. How could something be so hard for us that was so easy for him? Because we don't look like him. we have to answer to God for how we treat each other. And I think we forget that. Because yeah. a lot of times we think that it's in and of ourselves. Yeah. But we have to seek God to make things right with others. When's the last time you've actually taken the idea of having this hard conversation and put it before God? When we think about his presence, we have to become sensitive to his presence. Ooh, that's so good, Apostle Jay. 
My prayer for us as a body as we walk through this series is that we become so sensitive in God's presence that it actually is transforming. We sing songs about him transforming. We sing about transforming power, but when's the last time you actually let him change your heart? Like, when's the last time you actually let him change your mind? Lift up your hands right now. I pray, God, that you make us sensitive to your presence. And even in Matthew 5, as they went to offer a gift of worship and dare to open their mouth to give you glory and praise, we become like that person who you sent away, who you said turn away and get it right with your brother. Make us sensitive to your presence where we don't walk outside of your presence with anger. We don't walk outside of your presence with frustration. Make us sensitive. acknowledge him with your words so I get the prayer and now you put something on it personal. Come on, if that's really your prayer, you really want him to make you sensitive to his presence, where you get the benefits of his presence, where he checks you in his presence, where he transforms you in his presence, tell him. Tell him from your own heart what you want him to do. Hallelujah. So we just commit to that. Step two of reconciliations that must be intentional. We look at chapter 32, verse 3 through 5. Um, it talks about how Jacob knew that he had done wrong, and now he knew that he had to make it right, so he takes the initiative. Now, biblically, um, I looked at it, and it, initiative is taken on both sides. So we have examples in 2 Corinthians where God takes initiative, of course he takes initiative with us. And so it's not biblical who is responsible say let maturity be the winner. That's very good. So whoever comes first is the mature one. Whoever holds on to the longest in silence is the immature one. So you decide which side you want to be on. So the scripture shows us both ways. So it shows us the offender taking the initiative and it shows us the offender taking initiative. initiative. A lot of us will feel like um, it will mend itself or it'll come around. People, people say stuff like that. We'll figure it out. We'll get there. Time. Time will um, time will bury it, but time will not heal it. I want you to think about a broken arm. So if you broke your arm today, nobody in their right mind would say, I'm just going to go home and time will, time will heal it. No, because what's going to happen? Your arm may get better, but it's not going to heal properly. And so the next time you go to use that arm, you're going to re-injure your arm. And in most cases, you will re-injure your arm worse than it was before because you were not intentional about the healing of your arm. This is how we allow our relationships to be with our brothers and sisters. When you think that just burying it, ignoring it, not working on it, act like it doesn't exist, well, yeah, it's getting better. But it's getting worse because now you're setting yourself up not to go through the pain of just fixing it this one time, but now you're setting yourself up to the pain of sometimes if it heals, um, if it heals wrong, they have to re-break it. So you can either heal right the first time, or you can ignore it and let it heal improperly, set up infection, and have to get rebroke all over again. breaking of relationships around us. You feel like you keep getting in the same friend cycle. You feel like you keep getting in the same opposite sex cycle. You feel like you keep getting in the same relationship with leadership. You feel like you keep getting in the same relationships with peers. You feel like you get, uh, keep getting in the same working relationships. It's because you didn't heal it right the first time. And so what you have is you have a broken arm. It's infected and it never healed right. So I know you've been using the arm, but you never had The breakdown of relationships requires pursuit of reconciliation. You have to actually go 
reconciliation. It is the committed coordination of two different parties. Doesn't matter who initiates it. In order for it to go well, you have to actually coordinate it together. When we talk about love our neighbor um, and different things like that, we think that it has to do with um, hugging, liking, smiling. No, no, no. Love hurts as Jesus. My God. Many of us, we say that we're Bible believing, and I'll give you that, but we're not Bible doing. So you claim to be a Bible believer, but you're not actually a Bible doer. So every single time that there's a hard conversation that you avoid, and you go to somebody else, or you go to somebody, and you're not alone, you just prove that you are not Bible doing. Do you know how many times people go against the biblical thing? Some of us came to worship this morning, we got something against each other. It's not biblical. You're supposed to get it right before worship. You're supposed to get it right it's not biblical. Many of us have things that we mull over with other people. I just want to run this by you. Because I just want to make sure that my perspective is right. Did you tell that person? No, no, because if it's not a big deal, I don't want to. Guess what? It's a big deal. And you know how it's a big deal? Because you're repeating it right now. Because you're still thinking about it. Because it's still an issue for you. So it's a big deal. few years ago, and um, what's the formula for hard conversations? Fica! Some people are old. Okay. I mean old to the church. Um, so, F stands for what? Facts. This is how you structure the hard conversation. You just start with the facts. No emotion, no accusations, no speculation. Facts. Facts only. Not, you walked in and you had an attitude. And not a fact. That's not a fact. That's your perception. So facts only. You walked in. When you walked in, you didn't look at me. When you walked in, your arms were folded. Your mouth looked pouty. Facts. I made any judgments. Just facts. What's I? is be vulnerable and transparent. What was step one? Nope, of reconciliation. Don't look God. Step two of reconciliation is be intentional. Step three of reconciliation. Be what? Be vulnerable. Okay, so impact. Okay, so I'm walking you through FICA and it, it goes with the steps. Now you have to say how it affected you. What did it do to you? Because we are always on the defense. And we tell people what they did, how they made us, uh, uh, how they uh, made us feel and everything like that. But we put it more on the person. Impact puts it on you. I felt ignored. I felt bad. I felt like you cared about the other people in the room more than you cared about me. Whatever. What did it do to you? Be honest. Guess what? You have to be honest with yourself first. Because yeah. Yeah. some of us take on the hour. That means I can come late night and I can come early for sound check. You know what I mean? I don't even care. But you do. C. What is C? Context. So you have to tell them the context in which it happened. Because a lot of times we'll say, all Yeah, yeah, yeah.
Okay, this is when it happened. When we met for Connects on Sunday at whatever, this, that's when it happens. You have to put it in context. You know what that does? It grounds you. That's good. Yeah. And it makes you be more realistic. Yeah. What is A? Action. Action. Okay, it can be accountability for the person. So that's probably why you got the accountability. So action. What do you want them to do? Okay. Be explicit. What do you want out of this tough conversation? What do you want to accomplish? Sometimes if you be honest with yourself, you just want them to feel stupid. You want them to feel bad. You want them to get punished. You want them to be kicked off. You want something bad to happen to them.
get our pardons. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And so when he eases our emotions, uh, Matthew 18 and uh, 20, when it says where two or three are gathered in my name, it can reference to prayer. Because what they're doing in response to this reconciliation is they gather together and they give it as a sacrifice to God who knows them best. So even after that conversation, after you've had the courage to get up there, you've done it and everything like that, you have to give it to God. So it still has to do with two or three gathering in my name to pray, but it's in response to conflict. When is the last with somebody and said, you know what? We didn't talk this through. Let's just pray. Let's just give it to God. Come on, let's just bind up confusion because it's already been bound in heaven. Come on, and let's just bind up offense because it's already been bound in heaven. Come on, and let's just bind up rejection because it's already been bound in heaven. Come on, let's just bind up strife because it's already been bound in heaven. Come on, let's just bind up disagreement because it's already been bound in heaven. Come on, let's just bind up misunderstanding because it's already been bound in heaven. is finished. We see it here. Jacob wanted to make things right. After he humbled himself, after he came, you know what real community does? It allows you to have hard conversations without backlash. You know why people won't have the tough conversations? Because of the backlash. Because after I have the tough conversation with you, then you go and you say to her, ooh, girl, yeah, and she came to me and she just so sensitive, so. You know, we good now, but if I was you, I wouldn't even fool with her because, you know, she just so, I mean, girl, she wanted me to give her a hug. Girl, she was talking about how we didn't text her back and we didn't tell her that we was going for it. I mean, but there's backlash. Real Victory 
is done as a community. When you look at Wars 1, yeah, there might be a hero, but I tell you what, there was somebody on the front line with him. There was somebody in the rows behind. Wars are won in a community. That's how we win wars. And so in this story of Jacob and Esau, we get a glimpse of God. We get a glimpse of who he is and how he gives us the gift of reconciliation. It's time to have the talk, y'all. As nervous as you are, as much anxiety as it gives you, you got a list of people right now that you need to have a talk with. I want you to write those names down. Not me now. Sorry. I was like, I know y'all got like a real spiritual moment. I'm like, no, do it. There are some people you need to have a hard conversation with. They might be in this body, but they might not be. We don't just come to church to learn how to be good church people. It may be a hard conversation with your parent. It may be a hard conversation with your boss. What are the tough conversations that you've been avoiding? You've been saying no to ministry, to the ministry of reconciliation. God hasn't just called you to have reconciliation so that you can have worship and access in worship, but he's called you reconciliation to be an example of himself in the earth. I know you thought that prophesying was your example of him in the earth. I know you thought that praying for people was your example of him in the earth. But no, the ministry of reconciliation, the rate by which you forgive, the rate by which you allow your heart to be expanded is how people will know that you are a Christian. How will they know? They will know that we are Christians by our love. They will know that we are Christians by the way we forgive each other. They will know that we are Christians by the way we dote on each other. They will know that we are Christians by the way that we prefer one another. The Bible says prefer one another. I'm not even going to go back and forth with you. You know why? Because just, I'm just going to prefer you. Let's bind it up. Let's offer it on to God. And let's walk in the gift of reconciliation. Who's been a beneficiary of reconciliation? And I don't care if nobody in this earth ever forgave you. You know who forgave you? Jesus Christ. So we are all beneficiaries of reconciliation. And so we owe it one to another. Would you allow me to pray with you? I know we're a little over today, but I, I think that this series has been really important. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a, a secret deliverance series. Because yeah. I think God's just like working on our hearts just every week, like chipping away at it. Um, and even for some of you, you're sitting in this place and you're like, I don't really have anything. Well, then he's preparing you for your future. Yeah. I wish I knew about the ministry of reconciliation before I got in some situations. If you're not in that place right now, be really grateful to God because he's preparing you for your next. Because it's coming. And so God, we just pray right now against rejection. And we just say, just take a deep breath and just let all that rejection go. Because you remember when you tried to reconcile and it didn't go well, right? You were rejected. You weren't accepted. It was a very bad situation. And so we just release rejection today. Rejection, go. Rejection, go. Rejection, go. All ties to the past, go. All hurt that we're letting hanging on to, go. In the name of Jesus. Right now, we just release pride. We release the spirit of pride that causes us to think that we can handle reconciliation on our own and not come to you and not bring it to you and not pray through it and not Judgment of other people. We 
Jesus name. 